Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. M-A-I-N-M-E-N-U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Hello, everyone, and welcome to Main Menu for the 30th of August, 2019. I am your co-host, Jason Castingway. Please take note before we start that there are many references to the Amazon Assistant we have all come to know and love. If you have any nearby devices, they may be triggered, so please cover their ears. On this show, you're going to hear from the Information Access Committee 411 presentation that took place at the ACB Conference and Convention. This is part one, where Brian Charlson tells you a little bit about what the IAC does and how they do it. There are a couple of different Q&A sessions, and Peter Korn and Josh Mealy from Amazon talk about new devices and improved accessibility. Happy listening. What I want to do is to give you an idea of what the IAC is and how it conducts its business. The IAC in 2018-19 had seven conference calls during which we discussed a wide variety of issues. We were frequently updated by Eric Bridges, uh, Clark, um, and when Tony was with us, about all of the activities that the national office was involved with relative to information access. So meetings at Google, at Amazon, at Microsoft, at Apple, at, uh, well, the list goes on and on, as well as meetings that took place at our national office and occasionally meetings that weren't hosted by either side, but rather where we co-attended uh, meetings. And in that process, one of the phrases we hear a lot is NDA. What is NDA? Non-disclosure agreements. So, as, uh, as Josh up here said to me when I asked him what he does at Amazon, I tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So, it's in that kind of spirit that sometimes the IAC is informed of things, and other times the IAC can't be informed about things. There's some things we're informed about that we are under legal obligation not to share, and that's one of the reasons we invite those who share such things with us to come and share them with you. So that's part of why we do Info 411. Okay? What have we been involved with this year? As Ray mentioned during the meeting of the committee chairs, we're putting together a long and medium-term plan for going forward. In the world of technology, it used to be that we were off to the side and we all were, you know, the guys uh, behind the curtain getting things done. These days, technology does everything from, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day who was getting a new home, and she's decided not to pay $10,000 for a smart toilet. Uh, I concur with her on that. But nonetheless, it is in everything, in everything. So. We're trying to define 
what our role is in trying to keep track of all of this. And naturally, another part of it is not just how ubiquitous it has become, but also how rapidly it changes. The rapidity of change. So no sooner have you succeeded to getting something accessible than that something's not available for sale anymore. Or the latest update broke the accessibility. Uh, and the list goes on and on. And this doesn't just apply to the web. And Ray Campbell, our secretary of ACB, and uh, an employee of United Airlines in terms of web accessibility. We'll be speaking about that later in this afternoon's program. But it extends into home appliances. I have a uh, smart, I guess it's smart, smart microwave oven that doesn't require that I be smart to simply tell it to warm up my cup of coffee. Tell it to pop my popcorn. Tell it to defrost my frozen lunch entree. So that's pretty exciting. Friend of ours, uh, Judy Dixon, she'll be presenting twice, two or three times this week, just bought new washer and dryer from GE. And not only do they have an uh, app that will allow her to monitor the conditions of her washer and her dryer, and it reminds her, hey, the clothes have been in the dryer, and the dryer's been off for 30 minutes now. Don't blame me for the wrinkles. Okay. Um, but it also gives her the ability to give some commands to it uh, and check other statuses, such as the automatic soap dispenser. So it is showing up in everyday appliances. We're also monitoring the ongoing nature of um, education. We're very concerned about online learning and its general accessibility. Those in this room who may be students may say, well, it's not as bad as it used to be. And that's probably true. Is it fully accessible? No. Not a one of the platforms is currently fully accessible. Now put yourself in the shoes of the professor teaching the class. If that person happens to be blind or visually impaired, the accessibility goes down dramatically. And the only way most visually impaired uh, people can use that from the professor's side of things is with the use of student aides acting as their screen readers, doing tasks that are within those applications that are not accessible to them. And many, many decisions on what components are going to be used in these kinds of applications. You decide not to use that part while it might be the best choice for a given task, you're going to have to use an alternative to accomplish a similar but not the same thing. So sometimes accessibility is only kind of achieved by not doing things in a package that uh, is robust and spotty in terms of its accessibility. So we monitor those kinds of things. As you can imagine, um, 
that's a huge task. We can't take on everything and do much of value for any one thing. So we pick our battles. Uh, we pick our battles first by working with those who will work with us. And you see them as sponsors at this convention. You see them speaking at sessions throughout the week. So friends like Amazon, like Microsoft, like Google, uh, not only are they the big boys, so to speak, but they're also the ones who take the time to come and talk to us, and at least as important, listen to us through the process. Uh, I wouldn't invite them back if I didn't feel comfortable that they were telling it as best they can within their NDAs. But nonetheless, you can always push the button and see what comes out. I own uh, Fire TV uh, in my living room, which Peter mentioned during an unofficial statement before uh, Prime, what is it, Prime, Prime, Day? Prime Day. And suddenly I came away with a nice Fire TV, uh, and we enjoy it very much. So yeah, sometimes you got to push the buttons, and you, these people will occasionally leak information, wink, wink, in the process. So, rather than spending time talking about what we have been doing, because it's subtle, it's in the background, and it's continuous, I want to ask if anybody in the audience has anything they'd like to say as to where they would like this committee in 2019-2020 to put its focus. Susan. Hi. I may have missed this because I was about five minutes late coming in, but the whole area of um, touchscreen kiosks, be it McDonald's or uh, your Department of Social Security or any of organisations that have started to introduce touchscreens um, uh, to avoid people having to talk to a real person. Yes, we... <laughs> We're monitoring that, and it's interesting. Some of the t places that we're involved with was the uh, pizza restaurant that was in New York City, I think it's still there, where in order to reduce the amount of staffing and to make it really fast to get through and eat your pizza and et cetera, was fully inaccessible and was run exclusively by touchscreens. And uh, go ahead. Uh, this is just. Peter Korn, since I yeah. have the mic. Go for it. Um, I thought I'd mention that uh, Amazon lockers are a place that you can get products delivered to, and they have touchscreen kiosks, but they also have headphone jacks, and they're fully accessible uh, through, speech, through speech output and the 10-key keypad uh, input. So that, that is one touchscreen kiosk uh, outside of ATM machines that also talks. Sorry, Brian. Nope, nope, you did great. That, again, I, I was telling Peter earlier, I do not like talking heads, so dialogue is the way for me. So that was Susan's suggestion that we should put some emphasis on those kiosks once again. Now, we dealt with uh, an accessible, so to speak, kiosk at the airport the other day, and uh, while it may have been accessible, it was painfully long to do what 
a sighted person did at that same kiosk. <laughs> 10 seconds versus 10 minutes to accomplish the same thing. So it's not just a matter of accessibility, it's a matter of usability. And that's really where a lot of our focus on the committee has been directed, that usability question. Anybody else want to make a statement? Are you working with things like um, flat screen ovens and stoves and other appliances like washer and dryers appliances? Certainly. Um, again, last year we had the young man here from GE who invented this attachment you could add to a GE washer and dryer and be able to run it. And now while that attachment is more generally available throughout the product line, those same machines have Bluetooth interfaces so that you can control or read the conditions of all the things that are on the screen. Is that universal yet? Not even close. And one of the problems with things such as washers, dryers, uh, refrigerators, stoves, is these white goods, I don't know how often you buy one, but I don't buy them very often. And so for them to innovate in that space, requ uh, frequently the latest version is kind of two versions of Go uh, with respect to what we expect from our cell phones and and laptops which we expect to change every two to three years and that's a big part of the problem the other part of the problem is the vast majority of Americans do not own a washer and dryer what they use a washer and dryer apartment dwellers ladies and gentlemen those of you who are homeowners don't know that life those of you who don't live in a college dorm don't know that life but these people use somebody else's washer and dryer, and they're not in control of whether that's going to be accessible or not. One of the other things that I want to encourage people to do just in general is we do one hell of a job telling one another what our problems are. We don't do a very good job of telling the company that we're dealing with what our problems are. While we like to work with a collective voice, a collective voice frequently becomes one voice. So we need people to literally, if you need access to that website, take time to tell them that you can't use their website because it's inaccessible. When you go to pick out that new washer or dryer, tell them that you're only interested in looking at ones that are accessible and that if they don't have one, you're going to take your business elsewhere. Because to some degree, you have a market share that you need to flex a bit in the process. So are we working on that? Yes, we are. The major uh, producers like General Electric do speak with us from time to time as they're doing developing. I think we're going to get to the point where we're going to need to, on an ongoing basis, send somebody to the computer electronics uh, show that happens in Las Vegas each year. Yes. Yep. Just, just specifically to see where things are going so that we can not only complain when something isn't working, but commend when something is working. And also, I think, to share with one another what that is. 
If you hadn't asked the question, where would you have known that GE has a line of accessible kitchen appliances and laundry appliances? Where would you have heard about that? Maybe the rail forum, right? But we have to communicate better with one another. As I bring the microphone to the next person, I want to expand on something that, that Brian said. Uh, he mentioned the, the microwave that he talks to, and more and more appliances are uh, supporting Alexa and interoperability with Alexa. And blind customers, early blind customers of the microwave, uh, used the, the page on Amazon.com to present feedback and reviews of the microwave. And the positive reviews that blind customers gave of the microwave were noticed by senior leadership at Amazon. So, so just to, to underscore Brian's comment about using your individual voices to give feedback to companies when they do things well, as well as when they do things poorly, it works at least at Amazon because we are seeing it. There's a woman over here who's waiting for the microphone, Harriet. About a year ago or so, we had to buy a new stove. And boy, I'm going to tell you something really interesting. The one I had before was a Whirlpool. It had a touchscreen okay, but it was tactile enough. I could tell the arrows and the different things for setting it up. But boy, you can't find one like that anymore. Mine's well decorated with dots and little shapes and things. But um, also the burners where I have a, it's a glass cooktop. And um, you, I had to look and look and look to find ones where you could feel a difference between where the burners are and where they're not. You know, the, it has a little different texture. The other comment I would like to make is the things that have um, a Bluetooth and you can talk to them are fine. I have Alexa and I really like her. <laughs> but what if your internet goes down and you have a touch screen washer and you need to do your laundry? You know, those are the things. I guess if you have your cellular service, that's okay. But let's say you don't, you just have an iPad, then you're stuck. Um, I, uh, I'm fine with technology. I like it a lot, use it a lot. But anyway, the stove thing, I did call Whirlpool and I told them about that, that they had a wonderful thing and they took it away. And I didn't get much of a comment. They were not that interested. Well, you know, one of the things about these is it's, it's kind of the collective opinion. You realize that there are a whole bunch of things that are illegal. And you would think that the U.S. Department of Justice would step in when you file a complaint that something was being done and it was illegal. But they don't. They wait until there's enough complaints for there to be seen to be a pattern of abuse. So you might not get that positive feedback when you give your original feedback to them, uh, some kind of indication of, yes, we'll get back to you and we'll tell you what we're doing about it. But that doesn't mean that it's gone into the circular file. Don't become overly discouraged by that. Uh, sometimes, I don't know about you, but I don't have enough hours in the day, so I'll try to remind myself, now listen, that didn't work for me, I better write a letter. 
And then I remember that the next time it didn't work well, that I still hadn't written that letter or sent out that email or whatever it might be. But it is worth doing. It truly is worth doing. We're a low incident population. Uh, but, you know, the readers of our comments know that too. And so if they see five complaints from us, it's like seeing 5,000 complaints from some other sub group of their market. So it's always, always worth doing. I have that same Whirlpool uh, range, I think, glass top range, and it has a slight etch mark where the burners are. And so when Kim goes and tries to cook something on the stove, she feels for that before she turns the burner on so she can line up the pan. I do it the other way around. I turn the burner on, I feel for where the heat is, and I cover it with a pan. It's a different approach that achieves much the same, same effect. But I do use the touch screen, and it is frosted wherever there is not something to touch. And the unfrosted space has shapes to it that represent the buttons for bake, broil, on, off, temperature up and temperature down. I cannot use the time bake function. I cannot use the self-cleaning function because both of those are in kind of semi-menus. So yeah, it's, it's an ongoing issue. And we've discussed over the decades about whether or not what we need is some form of universal control like your universal remote control that controls all of your entertainment system kind of thing, that we would use in uh, a kitchen so you wouldn't have to install a screen reader on each device for it to be a talking device. It would simply emit infrared or something that would allow us to do those kinds of things or build it in. And so we opted for the build it in method under the term universal design. So we would rather have the ability to walk up and use any device because accessibility is built into it rather than to have that special device that makes it accessible. And as more and more people turn to smart appliances, that's happening. Uh, so I, I hope that that will work for us long term. Any last questions? Um, yeah, Susan Thompson again. I just wanted to make a suggestion. Um, you've talked a lot about the, the, the value of individual feedback, and I totally agree. But I think for a lot of people, the idea of writing and trying to set out what the issues are and why they, you know, why they need to be fixed is, is a little daunting. So I'm wondering if the committee could consider, uh, if it hasn't already, um, Putting some, making some template letters available that could be, you know, um, tailored for the individual circumstances, but that would set out a lot of things like, you know, you realise this is actually required by the law, or um, this is this is what I can't do, and as a blind person, it means that, you know, I can't do my dry my clothes, or just a, a template letter that could be be, ta be tailored and used. Uh, just makes the task a little less daunting. Good idea. I'll bring that to the next chair of the committee. 
I, I do think, well, let me back up and tell you that my degree is in political science, strangely enough. And I took a lot of coursework on being a staff member. I was a staff member for the Oregon State Senate for a number of years. And a form letter is one step above a petition signature in terms of its effectiveness. In fact, to a large extent, the less professional a letter looks, the more impact it's going to have. Not the less, I don't mean it can be rude, and I don't mean that it can be inaccurate, but if it looks homespun, it gets 10 clicks instead of one click from the mailbox. So doing form letters uh, that require very little on the part of the writer is, um, it's, it has its value, but it has to be used carefully to, to be effective. Exactly. If it turns a non-right to a right, it's worth it. But I don't want it to become the default way to do it, uh, because then it's just like signing a petition. I'm just thinking that, you know, you say a petition is not worth much, and in some ways I agree. But when you see the volumes of, you know, how many people are in a petition, uh, I don't know. I think it has some merit these days. There's a number of different applications on the web for doing petitions. Um, we are, as you know, considered a low incident population. We know that if you take all the members of ACB, all the members of NFB, all the members of Blinded Veterans of America, and you put them all together, they represent less than 3% of the blindness community at, a, at large. And if all of them were to sign a petition, it would probably have less signatures on it in terms of any kind of federal action, less signatures on it than the one that would vote Mickey Mouse in for president. It's sad, but it's true. They talk about tens of thousands of signatures before it tips the scale to be noticed. Because it has to be noticed by the media to a large extent before it's noticed, noticed by policymakers. Again, this is a Brian Charlson point of view. It's based on lots of years of experience. Now, I'd like to introduce to you uh, Peter Korn, who's not only a great mic runner, but a longtime tech friend of the blindness community. Uh, got his start many, many years ago. Um, he was involved in a little company called Berkeley Systems, for those who go back in the Mac world that long. And he's now been with Amazon for a number of years, and he's spoken to us at several conventions. But I've asked him to come and talk to us about uh, the latest and greatest from Amazon. And again, remember that rapidity, rapidity of change. Some of the latest and greatest was, uh, well, last year's latest and greatest, well, not be, it might not be passe. There may have been a leapfrog over that to a whole new way of getting things done and getting them done effectively. Peter, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I brought with me my colleague Josh, who I will uh, also share the mic with uh, for a little bit. So um, 
I see about a third of the faces uh, were also in our session earlier this morning. Uh, I apologize to you since I'm going to be repeating some of the news that you may have heard uh, earlier this morning. Um, so Amazon, we're known for our online store. We're known for Kindle eBooks, Audible, uh, read uh, aloud books. We're known for Alexa, for Fire TV, Fire tablets. And I'm just going to share with you some of the news in all of those areas. So um, just quickly, round of applause. How many have shopped on Amazon.com in the last few weeks? So um, starting last year, we instituted a new policy for all companies that want to list their products in our store. Those companies are now required to put alt text on the images of their product pages. We will reject a, a detail page, as we call it, a product page, if the images on it don't have alt text. This is also the case for our own products that we put up on the store. This doesn't fix the many, 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 many pages that were there before we instituted this policy. You will still find unlabeled images throughout, but going forward starting uh, over a year ago now. Um, moving on to Kindle, we now have over 9 million Kindle ebooks that work with screen readers on PC and uh, iOS and Android and of course Fire tablets as well that uh, Alexa will read to you if you ask her to read this Kindle book. And on the PC you can have math equations read to you with NVDA, you can navigate tables with NVDA and very soon now also with JAWS. Um, Audible, we continue to release more and more books in Audible format. The Audible format is getting richer. We're using now multiple narrators. Sometimes we're adding a little bit of music in the background. If you have the Kindle book, you can often add Audible to that at a discount. It's sometimes even uh, less expensive to go the Kindle to Audible route than to start with the Audible book alone. With both Kindle books and Audible books, if you have Alexa, you can ask her to read the book to you, and she will. Speaking of Alexa, we continue to have more and more devices in which you can enjoy Alexa. We've introduced uh, updated versions of the Echo and Echo Dot. The Echo Dot now has 75% more speaker volume, room filling volume, in the $39.99 dot that fits just about anywhere. Uh, we have something called the Fire TV Cube, which is a mashup of an Echo Dot with Fire TV. It means you can sit on your couch, no remote in sight, and just call out to Alexa to tune your TV to a particular channel or ask for a show or do a search, all from the comfort of your couch with your voice. You can also ask for the weather and your Kindle books and all the rest, and they will be played 
through the much louder, nicer speakers of your TV or home theater system. Um, speaking of Fire TV, we have introduced a 4K version of our Fire TV stick. So if anyone out there cares about having 4,000, actually 8,000 pixels mm -hmm. uh, on your TV screen, or if you have friends or family members who like that ultra high definition, we have a $49.99 stick that will do that for you. Uh, we've also been putting Fire TV into our televisions. So Toshiba and Insignia are two companies we are working with uh, alongside Best Buy to put Fire TV and Alexa into these physical televisions. There's a 24-inch um, uh, television with Alexa and Fire TV and the VoiceView screen reader for $150. Although I just noticed this morning online we have a sale going on. It's $129.99 at the moment. This is an Insignia television and it is the Fire TV Edition smart TV. We have 20 different models uh, across Insignia and Toshiba from 24 inches all the way up to 55 inches. The 55 inch model is $450. Every one of these TVs has four HDMI inputs. You can name these inputs and then refer to them with Alexa by name. So if you name HDMI 1 uh, Apple TV and HDMI 2 is my Blu-ray player, then you can simply say, Alexa, switch input to Apple TV. And she will do so. Or switch input to HDMI 3, and she will do so. They also have Bluetooth support for Bluetooth headphones, and of course, a headphone jack, and a um, cable uh, jack to connect your antenna, your cable antenna to and that coaxial cable antenna will pull in over-the-air broadcast TV, you know, that old radio stuff, mm -hmm. radio waves. And we get the program guide for broadcast TV over the Internet, and we'll display that on your screen, and that works very, very nicely with VoiceView. It also works with Alexa, so you can say to Alexa, I'd like to watch Wheel of Fortune. And if it's on, she'll tune to it. Also in the Fire TV realm, we've introduced something called a DVR, a digital video recorder. This is basically a little box with a hard drive in it, and it will record broadcast TV. That's called the Fire TV Recast. And with that, you can record Wheel of Fortune or NCIS or the evening news. If the program that you are recording or wanting to watch is one of the handful with audio description, you can ask for the audio description and we will give you the described version. If you record a show that has audio description, you can get the audio description back when you watch it. Only because this is broadcast and this is the second audio program, for some reason the audio description is called Spanish. Nonetheless, uh, that's available. 
So before I turn the microphone over to Josh to talk about uh, what's new in our tablets and VoiceU, I thought I'd take a pause because I've given a ton of information. And I'll walk around with my mic to the woman who's ferociously raising her hand for any questions. Go ahead. Um, and I'm asking you this, but I'm not I trying to put you on the spot. Recently, my husband and I noticed that um, some uh, shows that were audio described by Netflix are now available on Amazon. Um, but the audio description has disappeared. Are there plans to look at shows that were previously described and make the description available. We actually wrote a review to Amazon and told them how great it was, but it would be even better if they maintained the description and our review didn't fit their criteria so they wouldn't post it. So yes, we are working hard to get descriptions, description tracks from as many uh, shows as we can. As it turns out, when you get a show, you have to explicitly ask for the description. They don't just give it to you. Even when you write into the contract, give us descriptions whenever you have it for any show that has ever been described. They often forget to give us the description and then we have to go and chase them. So we've been doing that. Uh, earlier this week or this past week, we added another 65 titles with description. And the bulk of those came from places like Paramount and Warner Brothers and so on, where they had made the descriptions, but they hadn't given it to us when they first gave us the films. And after we went and chased them, they did so. So we are working hard to chase after every described title that we can find and make it available to our Prime Video customers. Oh, you can absolutely let us let us know. We actually look. We well, so you can send email to um, device-accessibility at amazon.com. But they, they do, and I don't remember what what it is. <laughs> um, the uh, one of the things we are doing is we look at the audio description project pages. And we look at their master list, and if there's anything on that master list that we have, but we don't have the descriptions for, we're asking the studios for it. So we are, we are doing that on a regular basis. We're building it into all of our contracts. Um, you're absolutely welcome to please send us email, but I just wanted to let you know what we are already doing uh, to that end. Um, my question is, What's the process for getting a book that is already on Kindle uh, made available on Audible? And I just am putting a plug in for my book that I wrote that I want to get on Audible. It's called Speak Up for Yourself, Get What You Need and Feel Good About It. And it came out in February. I don't recall an Audible feedback alias. You can certainly... Again, use device-accessibility, and we will route it to the right place. Um, D-E-V-I-C-E-accessibility at Amazon.com. And uh, we, we route those emails when they're not 
specific to devices to the, the right place when we get them. My friend Carl keeps talking about cord cutters. Cord cutters. So if you were to describe a cord cutter's dream in terms of accessible product, how would you describe that? Uh, sure. So I would, I would think the, the cord cutter's ideal product would be very inexpensive, would work with broadcast television would allow me to stream from every streaming service there was, not just Prime Video, but Netflix and Hulu and Showtime and HBO and DirecTV and NBC Online and CBS Online, that every one of those was filled with audio-described content and was brilliantly accessible. And we're actually fairly far along to that ideal vision. With one of these, starting at list price, $150 Fire TV televisions, uh, you get broadcast TV with whatever audio descriptions are there, you can stream Netflix with its audio descriptions and its talking interface that works with VoiceView. You can stream Prime Video with its audio descriptions and talking interface. You can stream Hulu with the handful of audio described titles that they have, again, working with VoiceView. Hulu's audio descriptions are not yet available on Fire TV. Um, ACB is, I'm sure, talking with them about that very topic. Well, just the Hulu has the rest of um, 2019 to um, finish the technical transition for um, allowing the audio description. Right now, the few um, programs and series that they have available are only accessible via their website with audio description. But they are working on their app, and hopefully they're working on the, um, the API that needs to be available so that the Fire TV can work and other devices can work as well. So we're continuing to monitor that through our attorneys and, and our technical team. And we have not yet spoken with them, but uh, we have documentation on our uh, website that describes how to make an application running on Fire TV work especially well with VoiceView. And, and I hope that, that that has been brought to their attention or will be brought to their attention. We are very happy to, to help with any technical support that's, that's involved. One of the things that we did um, when we made Fire TV and we brought the VoiceView screen reader to Fire TV uh, Fire OS is the operating system of our Fire tablets, Fire TV devices. Fire TV, Fire OS is a derivative of Android, and so it's based on the Android accessibility framework. We've been extending that API, that framework, to support some of the more uh, rich and complex user interface patterns of these television interfaces. And that extension is part of what makes VoiceView uh, such a nice 
Voice View on Fire TV such a nice blind experience. Um, and we uh, have published documentation on how to take full advantage of that. Uh, but so to finish um, answering your question, um, Brian, the, the only other thing I would add to that ideal cord cutters experience would be a way to record broadcast shows. And that's, of course, a softball law back to Amazon with the Fire TV recast, our digital video recorder uh, that will record uh, up to um, 100 hours, I believe. Uh, no, 1,000 hours? Anyway, lots and lots and lots of hours uh, of broadcast TV. It actually has multiple TV tuners, so you can record two or four programs simultaneously pulling them off the air. So if two things that you want to watch are on at the same time, you get that. And one of the interesting things about Fire TV Recast is it's got an antenna on one end and Wi-Fi or Ethernet on the other end. So if the best place to get reception in your house, maybe you're using an indoor antenna, and that's no, is, is right by, is in the attic, or right by a window, and where you want to watch TV is nowhere near that, maybe on another floor, uh, that's fine. We will stream over your Wi-Fi in your house the programs that you're recording or your live TV from that Fire TV recast to your Fire TV box, to your tablet, etc. So, an awful lot of the cord cutter's dream is available today and accessible today. I think Amazon is the most incredible company out there. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, and so my question is, because I'm a person who likes to collect loads and loads and loads of books and loads and loads and loads of music, uh, what happens when that recording device is full? Can you move those somewhere else, or um, how can you add to your collection? So if it is the DVR, and it is recordings over broadcast, uh, we either have a 500 gigabyte or a one terabyte hard drive that comes with that. And eventually that will fill and you'll have to watch stuff and delete stuff or buy a, another Fire TV recast. Um, but if it's movies uh, that are streamed over the internet, those are generally always available. If you buy the movie, uh, it'll be stored in our cloud. If it is an Amazon Kindle book, an Audible audio book, all of those things are in the cloud with your name on them. If you run out of space on your device and you delete it, you can download it from the cloud uh, anytime you want. Let me now uh, pivot to uh, Josh and we'll take more questions at the end, but I want to make sure we have time for uh, the great news about voice view and tablets and so on. Josh. Hey, hey everybody. <clears throat> Josh Mealy here. I am a recent uh, recently joined Amazon in late February or uh, late January. You might recognize my voice from 
my work at Smith Kettlewell. But basically, the group at Amazon that Peter and I are both with is the devices group. And of course, we've spent some time really talking about the new features that are available on the TVs, which is really super exciting um, TVs and and all of um, you know all of the various TV varietals. But of course, Amazon is also really well known for its tablet devices and its e-readers. And we have a screen reader that we that runs on all of our various uh, screeny devices called Voice View. And it's essentially Fire OS, which is what drives our devices, which is, you know, sort of the operating system. Fire OS is, uh, it's a, as Peter said earlier, an Android variant. And so many of the, um, you know, things that uh, if you've ever used Android, using the tablets, uh, the Fire tablets is very familiar. There's a very Android feel to the whole, to the whole thing. Um, but Voice View is not TalkBack. Voice View is its own screen reader that we created. It is using the accessibility uh, framework that is available in Android, but basically it's, it's a very different experience. And we're really, we really care very much about how blind people access uh, information. And so it's critical that we have a screen reader that gives us access to all of the content that Amazon provides. So yes, we want you to be able to use the tablets for anything you want, but it's it's really important to us to make sure that you can access your Kindle books on a Fire tablet, to make sure that you can access Prime Video on a tablet, to make sure that your Audible books are available. And so these are the, the kinds of things that we really care about in order to make sure that you, as a blind customer, have access to all of the things that we're offering. And um, so that includes, of course, an emphasis on Braille. We believe that Braille is really important, and we've worked very hard to ensure that uh, our voice view screen reader supports a number of different Braille devices, and we're constantly trying to improve that by adding Braille devices, adding features. So in that vein, um, I'll tell you about a couple of the features that we've added recently that I think are interesting. And, and, and of course, you know, uh, a screen reader is a screen reader. If you've been using a screen reader on any other tablet, there are many features that carry over from screen reader to screen reader, whether it's TalkBack or VoiceOver or VoiceView. Um, so I'll tell you about a couple of the things that we've done lately that I think are interesting and unique or that enhance the experience in particular. So one, of course, is that We've uh, recently added a new way of toggling voice view on and off. If you triple tap the power button and that feature is enabled, then voice view will toggle on and off. It doesn't work that way straight out of the box. There's a way to turn voice view on straight out of the box. And um, once you turn it on and you enable the the power button uh, toggle, then you can easily turn voice view on and off that way. There's another function we've added recently, and we think of this as more of a function to support our work, you know, our integration with Kindle. In addition to being able to read by characters and words and lines, you can also read by sentence and paragraph, which is a really nice feature. I don't know, you know, a lot of the time when I'm you know, reading through a, a document in Microsoft Word, I'll read by paragraph. So now you can do that in uh, books or in any other spot on a Fire tablet with Voice View. Of course, um, it's not just tablets. It's not just the Fire tablets. We've got the, the e-readers where Voice View works as well. 
So if you are only interested in you know Kindle books, you can run Voice View on a on a, a uh, Kindle tablet or a Kindle e-reader and be able to read those books. We've got two different types of Alexa devices. We've got the uh, Alexa devices that you just talk to, like the Dot and the original uh, Echo. And then there are a bunch of newer devices with screens that you can talk to. They're called multimodal devices. And if you've got an Alexa device with a screen, like, for example, the Echo Show, you can also run Voice View on that. And so you can not only talk to the device using Alexa, but you can interact with the screen by swiping in the same exact way that you would do with Voice View on on a tablet. So these are all really various things that we're doing in order to support blind users of all of our content through our hardware. I could take a couple of questions on tablets and the Voice View screen reader, but I'd I'd also like us to cover um, a little bit more about, I, I guess, Peter, you mentioned um, our sort of, our hard push on uh, acquisition of, of audio description stuff. So maybe I don't need to mention audio description as much, but um, obviously audio description is one of the areas where I'm heavily interested. And um, so it's exciting to me as a new Amazonian that we're, Amazonian. that's what we call ourselves. Uh, okay. um, uh, that we, we're, um, we're at a point now where Amazon really gets it about video accessibility for, the, for blind people. And, um, and they get it, and they're moving, they're moving in the right direction, and they're moving, very, they're moving very quickly and with great intent. So to me, that's super exciting because it means that um, we can really look forward to uh, um, a constantly improving non-visual experience with Amazon Video. And that's, uh, I think that all of us can be um, really, really excited about that. So um, are there, if there are any questions about, um, about the tablets or voice view or um, prime video accessibility, maybe we should take some of those questions now. This is pertaining to video accessibility. Brian brought up the question to Peter about cord cutting. At I think eventually over-the-top cable boxes are going to be going away and most people are going to be doing, streaming through smart TV or, or smart TV devices. Is there a way that when, say, Pluto TV or Sling TV work with you guys that you guys can encourage them to do, A, not only screen reader accessibility, but ask them to carry the audio description? Can Amazon use their influence as a large market share to say, hey, can you include the audio description over the streaming of these devices? Because I think slowly cable's going to be dying and streaming services are going to be becoming more and more popular. Yeah, I think Peter mentioned, Peter sort of uh, alluded to that earlier. Um, and of course, you know, we're, um, we're interested in, in uh, improving our services as, uh, in, in every way we can. So that's, that's just one of the ways that we're, we're looking at um, making improvements to, to video. Yeah. In general, I mean, having, having been in this field now approaching three decades, uh, the voice of the customer directly speaking is generally louder than the voice of industry colleagues saying to their colleagues, hey, this, this would be nice. And I think particularly in organizations with ACB's long experience and history in the space of, of uh, successfully driving audio description 
uh, support, uh, that might be the more effective path to go. But we are very, very happy to help in any way we can when those vendors are, are wanting to do so on our platforms. I think I currently own three generations of Fire tablets. What's the downward compatibility for the kinds of things you were discussing, Josh? Um, I believe, and Peter can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but uh, he will. Um, uh, I believe that all of all of the um, the updates that we send go to all of our tablets, and as far as I know, all of the all of the updates will will updates will update all of your hardware. Um, I don't think there's a restriction on. Um, so when it when it comes to Fire tablets. Um, that is that is mostly true. Um, anything running Fire OS five or later, which goes back something like four years, five years now, um, has the latest voice view. Um, any Fire TV going back to the very first one that we sold four or five years ago has the latest voice view, has the latest magnifier. I cannot promise that we will continue to do this indefinitely. Um, at some point, um, um, we, we won't be able to do that. Um, we are not updating everything to Fire OS 6 and 7. We have quite a few devices that remain on Fire OS 5 and will never be updated from Fire OS 5, but we are separately updating um, the, the VoiceView screen reader on many of those older devices. And we will continue to do so as long as it is feasible, um, but I do imagine a time when that will no longer be feasible. And you'll need to spend another $49 to get the latest 7-inch tablet. And Thank you. And 99 cents. Can't forget the 99 cents. Yeah, Jeff. Higher end. Yeah. Do you, do you recommend buying the higher end uh, tablets? You know, the 89 dollar. I mean, besides storage, is there any reason for us to upgrade to those higher end tablets? So when you when you look at our tablets, we've got the seven inch, the eight inch. HD and the 10 inch HD. So the HD models have more pixels. So anyone who's using magnification or large font, that will be a better choice. The 8 and 10 inch models have a slightly faster processor, have a little bit more RAM. So they are faster, they are more snappy than the 7 inch. Finally, the 8 and 10 inch have stereo speakers and uh, Dolby uh, functionality built in. So for audio reasons, the 8 and 10 may be a better choice than the 7. So if you're primarily focused on Braille, not a lot of reason to go with an 8 or 10. Um, but uh, for audio reasons, the 8 and 10. And the 8 is not much more money than the 7. We know lots and lots of blind people uh, seem to prefer the 8 as sort of the sweet spot ideal. 
Main Menu is a program brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs on ACB Radio Mainstream every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, repeating throughout the week. Mainstream has a new schedule. You can listen and view the new schedule at acbradio.org mainstream. You can also listen by using the ACB Link app for Android and iOS, grab it as a podcast, or call 605-475-3184. If you have comments, suggestions, or have a submission of your own, feel free to contact us, mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also find us on Twitter at mainmenu. Please note that airing of any content is subject to approval by the Main Menu team. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.